Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I am Ryan Bonaparte. And today we're going to cover Purdue's victory in basketball over Austin P and their victory in football over Illinois. So a double victory podcast. We don't get those a whole lot, so I'm excited to do it. But, uh, Ryan, you know, you're, you're fairly new to the podcast. Um, so I used to uh, open the, the podcast every now and then with questions to Casey. So I want to throw a couple at you rapid fire so the viewers or the listeners, not viewers, no one watches this, uh, can get to know you a little better. I'm going to ask you basically some of the questions that I asked Casey that I thought he gave horrendous answers on. So <laughs> are you ready? I am. Okay. Skittles, good or bad? I'm mid on Skittles. I can like them some days. Sour Skittles are better. But overall, they're okay. Okay. Well, you've just made uh, a friend of my dad who absolutely loves sour Skittles. So uh, there you go. You're in good with him if you ever run into him in Lafayette. Um, All right. I'm in the club. Yeah. So um, some other ones. What is the best Halloween candy to get? Reese's, hands down. Okay. Or nothing else. Are we talking the normal Reese's, the special Halloween-shaped Reese's? What are we going with? If you get pumpkin, it's just an added bonus. Okay. But regular will do the job okay. just fine. What's the worst Halloween candy to get? Personally, I think it's licorice. Okay, good. What we talk red or black? Black. Excellent Cannot choice. Stand it. Excellent choice. And I am a big candy corn promoter. I hey, like candy corn. You and I, I love candy corn too. You know, I think it's it's become performatively fun for people to say it's trash and tastes like wax. Uh, but it doesn't and it is a nice little treat. It's good tasting wax, if anything. Yeah, exactly. If that is what wax tastes like, I guess I'm going to eat some more wax. Yep. Okay. Um, best fast food chain. Ooh. Um, I like Wendy's. Get that four for four. Good Good choice again. Good choice. You have much better food opinions than Casey did. Um, <sighs> speaking of more food opinions, uh, best fast food chicken sandwich. When it was around Burger King's Chicken Sandwich. I can't say I ever had that one. Uh, I've had it about twice, and both times it blew my expectations out of the water. Besides that, Popeye. Okay. Okay, excellent choice. I would agree with the Popeyes. Can't really speak to the Chiking, uh from mm-hmm. Burger King, but uh, since we, we're so far in sync, I think I'll trust you on that, and we can, uh, if, you know, if it ever comes around, maybe I'll look into it. Um, yep. Okay, best pizza in Lafayette. 
in Lafayette or West Ooh. Lafayette. Okay. Um, I always liked a good Bruno's pizza. Okay. But it depends on the situation. If you're coming from the bars, Mad Mush is right there across Harry's. It's easy and it's not awful. Okay. If now, if let me take you through that scenario. If you're mm-hmm. going, if you're going to Mad Mushroom, are you getting pizza or are you getting cheese sticks? Well, you're definitely getting cheese sticks, okay. but you can also get pizza. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you're ordering the cheese sticks. What's your dipping sauce? The garlic butter. Okay, good choice. I personally go with the nacho cheese. That is my second option. Because, Usually the group will just split those. Yeah, because, I mean, you're like, I, I don't have enough cheese on these cheese sticks. I might as well dip it in cheese. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, this one is important, but you kind of answered it with the last last one. Um, so, okay. Casey, I hope you're listening to this. If not, I will make sure uh, to send it to you uh, in a day <laughs> or so. To I'll get it. Got to give him time to listen. He's got a big boy job there over at over at uh, the rival site for Purdue Boiler Upload. Um, mm-hmm. Harry's good bar or bad bar? I think it's a good bar. Um, some of the other bars, Cactus just came back, and then you have Where Else. They're more of a clubby vibe, so as a classic bar, Harry's is the go-to for me, and I think it does a great job. Okay, excellent, excellent. Casey, uh, hated Harry's, uh, did nothing but complain about it on this podcast. It's amazing he lasted as long as he did, uh, (laughs) before an angry mob came to get him. So, uh, those are the ones that I could think of offhand, so, you know, great work, we're going to keep getting to know you as we go on. I'm going to try to do more questions at the top because I always enjoy those. But now uh, we're going to hit the Purdue men's basketball victory over Austin P. Final score, 63-44. to And if anybody out there watched the game, I think the thing that stands out is just the, well, two things. The awful three-point shooting from both teams. Uh, Austin P. was 4 of 24, which is, uh, for those math majors out there, 16%. Purdue, 2 of 19 for a 10.5%. And then Zach Eady, as bad as he looked on offense in the first game against Milwaukee, just uh, complete 180 in this game against Austin P. 12 of 13 from the floor, just 6 of 10 at the free throw line, so we don't love that. Uh, Total of 30 points and also grabbed 11 rebounds. So uh, an absolutely monster game from Zach Eady. He played 31 minutes as well, uh, and that very well could be his upper limit of minutes. Um, You know, we don't expect him to play 31 tonight. But, uh, Ryan, what stood out to you about this game other than those those things there? Yeah, and I think you sort of mentioned it with the 31 minutes. It's that Zach Eady didn't—he ended up with four fouls at the end of the game, but— he didn't get into foul trouble and was able to stay in the game and just honestly do whatever he wanted on yeah. offense. He went 12 for 13, so that's ideal. And honestly, this entire game was just the two big men on the floor for both Purdue and Austin P. as their center had, I think, 19 of their 44 points. Yeah. So it was really just a two-man battle and just... Purdue could not get an outside shot no. to go. No, there and I was... mean, they looked, some of the shots that didn't go in, I mean, they looked good. Uh, yes. They were good looks, but man, they just could not fall. Yeah, I, the announcers even said, like, someone tightened the screws a little too much on after the last game. Yeah. So, you know, that shot will probably come throughout the season, and you'll see, once you start hitting these shots, it's 
it's the difference between a 19-point win and a 35-point win. Yeah. So, again, it Austin P is one of those opponents where you can't make too, too much out of it just because they're not the biggest competition. But yeah. I would rather get these games out now and then get our shots later. But I just can't get over how effective Zach Eady was. Oh, I know. Zach Eady just did anything he wanted yeah, in this I mean, game, and it felt good. Yeah, I mean, he was incredible. This is kind of the prototypical game of what we would love to see from Zach Eady each and every time. I mean, you're not going to see him go 12 of 13. You're not going to see him score 30 points every game, but we know that is what he is capable of as a guy who's out there just towering over everyone on the floor almost every single time he's out there. Um, so it, it's just incredible to see uh, how efficient and how productive he was. You know, 11 rebounds, four offensive, again, 12 of 13 from the floor, just just outstanding. Um, we really continue to just see improvement from him year over year. But, I mean, it was, Purdue only managed 63 points against Austin P, which is not what you love. But, you know, to go 2 of 19 from 3 and still win by 19 points was pretty great. Um, Purdue had no other player in double figures other than Edie. Um, mm-hmm. And Mason Gillis, the only starter not to score, he was 0 for 3 uh, from the field, including 0 of 2 uh, from deep. So no one really um, stood out on offense other than Edie uh, because, you know, he just played so great. It was, it was a well-balanced attack other than Edie. I mean, we got 5 for Smith, 5 for Lawyer, 2 for Morton, 2 for Trey Kaufman-Wren, 5 for Waddell, 4 for First, 5 for Newman, and then David Jenkins Jr. got his first action of the season. Still looked pretty bad. Uh, that mm-hmm. eye looked very rough with a bandage above it or tape above it. Uh, he finished with 5 points on 15 minutes. So uh, is there anybody on Purdue's team, offensively or defensively, who really you thought kind of showed a little something? Um. Well, yeah. You mentioned with Jenkins, I know he only got 15 minutes, and I think that's just because of his eye is still mm-hmm. continuing to heal. Um, it was rememberable just because he was the player that actually broke the streak of Purdue shooting woes. Yeah. I think they were 0 of 16 at the time. That sounds and right. And he got the very first three-pointer in the corner. So you remember that, but I think that, Brandon Newman's defense has improved a lot this year. Yeah, I agree. He is looking just like he's becoming a hustle guy. He is going after almost to a fault rebounds on the defensive end of the court, and he's almost getting in the way of his own teammates getting rebounds. So there are a couple times where um, he and another player went for it, and it kind of just bounced off their hands and ended up being a turnover. So... It's looking better for Brandon Newman. If he can't be that go-to scorer all the time, he is looking to provide some sort of quality minutes for Purdue. And you you just know he wants to be on the court. It's blatantly obvious, so it's good to see him try and provide some sort of way to be out there for Matt Painter. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned the defense, not only from Newman, but I think the rest of the team one of the big problems last year for this Purdue team was they were never really in sync with five players playing team defense out there. Mm-hmm. Um, even in these early season games, they were allowing a bunch of points to their opponents uh, because Purdue last year had one of the most efficient offenses in the country. Um, often, you know, if you looked at Ken Palm, they were the most efficient offense in the country for a little while there. 
but this year's Purdue team seems to be more locked in on defense you know you can it's hard to say with only two games gone by um, but this team just feels different defensively than than last year's team there's a lot of length a lot of size and a guy like Brandon Smith Braden Smith really trying to prove himself that he can go out there and compete at a big level as a starter as a true freshman so I think he's got a lot to prove and he knows it and I think he he's going to go out there with that attitude that almost like a chip on his shoulder out there uh, to really to really prove that he deserves to be out on this Purdue team in the starting lineup. So I love it when guys are hungry like that. And I think that kind of attitude can really rub off on on the rest of the team. Um, it's kind of similar to how Mason Gillis plays. And uh, I'm a huge fan of his as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you saw it in their rotations. Their rotations are quick, and they are not confusing their assignments. This was a problem last year where you Mm -hmm. saw two guys going after the same person, and then there's just a wide-open player in the corner. Yep, all the time. Yep, that, that, that happens a few times in this game, but that's expected for almost any team. It was just they were quick to get the ball to the ball carrier, and they rotated well. Now, again, one thing you're going to see is some growing pains with this team. Um, just from like a communication standpoint, they're going to have to get to know each other, especially with two uh, freshmen in the starting lineup. But once that gets even uh, more effective communicating on when your uh, switches are and your rotations, it's going to look pretty nice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, this team, I think, will be better defensively than than last year. It's just a matter of whether they can find themselves on offense with someone other than Zach Eady. The shooting obviously has to come around, and we believe that it will. But, you know, when you go, when you have such a poor shooting game and you go just two, what was it, two for 19, there mm-hmm. are questions that need answered, and we believe that Purdue can answer those in time. So Purdue now 2-0. and uh, The next game coming up is November 15th, 8.30 p.m. tip in Mackey Arena against Marquette. This is part of the Gavit Games. Um, so do we know anything in particular about Marquette? This is really the first uh, marquee opponent for the Purdue season. Um, is there anything that stands out about them? I know we like to talk about uh, who Zach Eady is going to face. Can you mm-hmm. tell me at least a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, so Marquette doesn't have any seven-footers. Not many teams do, but they have one player who comes close. Mr. Ben Gold is six foot eleven for Marquette, and he is from Wellington, New Zealand. Okay, so he's a Kiwi. Yeah, that looks like it. All right. So, so that's hopefully, always good to know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that means, you know, a, it sounds ridiculous, but a five-inch advantage from the next, from the center on the other team, it's just wild to think that you could have a center be five inches taller than a 6'11 guy, and yet here we are. I mean, mm-hmm. a, as a guy who's 5'6", I can't imagine being almost an entire two feet taller uh, than I am. It, what a different world that must be. Yeah. And then another interesting tidbit, I believe it was mentioned in our group chat, one of the players for Marquette was actually a former student of Jed. Yeah, that's right. That's what he said. I'm not sure which guy it is. Um, I'm I'm not really that familiar with the Marquette roster, um, mm-hmm. but he said he was going to reach out to him and see if he could do a quick interview with him because I guess he must be a local boy there to Lafayette. So that'll be interesting and something to look for on the site as uh, we get closer to Tuesday's game. So there we go. There's basketball for you. We're going to take a break. 
come back and talk about the exciting, the thrilling, the upset victory over the fighting Illini. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So as promised, we're going to talk about Purdue's victory over the Fighting Illini. Purdue victorious 31-24 to in Champaign. Uh, this is really a victory that I don't think anybody saw coming, except for Drew. Drew on the, on, on the site picked Purdue, uh, and he said more or less what I had said in our group chat, you know, um, Brom will be, Brom is a coach who will go out and lose an unexpected game and then somehow come back and, uh, win a game that he shouldn't, you know, he, he's a counter puncher and somehow he'll find a way to win. And sure enough, Purdue comes out of a back-to-back losses to Wisconsin and Iowa, finds a way to punch Illinois right in the mouth, 31-24 and hang on at the end of the game. So, uh, just, I mean, watching this game, we talked about it in the last podcast, Ryan. You said, you know, maybe Aiden O'Connell would have one interception to go from his three to two to one. And sure enough, he got his one. So kudos to you on that. <laughs> yeah. And so I hope this means he has zero next week. It's true. Yeah, that would be great. Him, can't have negative, unfortunately. Yeah. Nowhere to go from there. Nowhere to go from there. But uh, Aiden O'Connell, 25 of 40, 237 yards, uh, three touchdowns, one interception, made some very dangerous and very risky throws in this game. Uh, got lucky that his touchdown pass to Charlie Jones was not intercepted. Went just right through the hands of the DB for Illinois. Uh, but, you know, you, you, it's hard to argue when you when you get a touchdown. So, uh, Maccabi had another great game, 28 runs, uh, 106 yards uh, for one touchdown. Uh, he's now over 700 yards on the season. Um, I'm trying to, I was pulling it up to get his exact number. He's at 732 yards for the season. So he's got an outside chance with two games left of getting a thousand yards on the season. And Ryan and I were talking before we started recording about just how unlikely that was at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And coming into the season, he was a walk on fourth string running back. So kudos to him for getting to where he is and uh, taking advantage of the opportunity. That is clearly a theme here at Purdue of just proving your worth. And I think he can get 270 yards within the next three games, at least three. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, It is amazing. I mean, I know it's been talked about before, but turn down the, the offer from Navy to walk on at Purdue and like talk about betting on yourself. Um, mm-hmm. He'd always wanted to go to Purdue, found the opportunity, and now here he is, starting running back, clearly going to earn himself a scholarship, and you know it's everything he wanted. So just you know an incredible, incredible season for him so far, um, and what a story. Charlie Jones had four catches, 66 yards, one touchdown, and uh, Ryan, you pointed out he reached uh, a milestone that I did not even realize uh, during this game. What was that? Yes, Mr. Chuck Sizzle reached 1,000 yards for the receiving or receiving on the season on his 32-yard touchdown reception. Yeah, so I mean, quite quite incredible um, that Purdue has yet another 1,000-yard receiver. 
Um, I'm not sure if any of us expected that, and certainly we didn't expect it to be you know, the Iowa transfer who did so little in his two years there. Um, so again, another great story for Purdue. I, I think it's, it's hard to talk about this game without mentioning that we were so despondent after the first two, um, the last two games, Wisconsin and Iowa, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Godfather movies, Ryan, <laughs> at all. Very, very seldomly, yeah. Okay, I've seen them, but not too much. Okay, well, there's a there's a great scene um, in in the Godfather trilogy where uh, Michael Corleone feels like he's out of the mafia. You know, his he's always believed he wanted to get out, and he says, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Yeah, and that's basically what <laughs> Purdue football has done to all of us. As you know, we we thought, hey, we're out of the Big Ten West race. You know, we've lost these two games. We had such a great opportunity and just absolutely blew it. And then we go on the road to 21 ranked Illinois uh, and find a way to win. Uh, it's just it's just incredible. I mean, I I don't know what else to say. This team, I, I feel like I the more I watch them, the less I know about them. Yep, and leave it to Purdue to pick the hardest opponent on this three-game stretch, the one with the best defense in the nation, Mm -hmm. just to put up the highest points they've allowed all season. And not only that, to also limit a Heisman dark horse to less than 100 yards for the first time this season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chase Brown just 98 yards on 23 carries. Did have two touchdowns, so he was highly effective. Um, but yes. you know, still holding him under 100 yards is a pretty, pretty tall task for this Purdue defense. And kudos to them. Yep. You and know, and next to that, oh. no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the defense. Kudos to the entire defense. You know, they the first drive of the day, it was scripted plays, and Illinois went right down the field. And then the defense just decided not to give up yards. So the next three drives, they had three straight three and outs while Purdue kind of fumbled the bag a little bit, couldn't find themselves offensively quite yet, and the defense held firm. They held Tommy DeVito to his lowest passing percentage of the season, and they got a turnover. Mm-hmm. That has huge turnover since the Nebraska game. Yeah, absolutely. Huge interception by Kieran Douglas in the fourth quarter during crunch time. It was the defense woke up a bit and it was good to see. Now, if they could put it all together for 60 minutes, this team looks like the ceiling is going to. The ceiling is the roof, Ryan. The ceiling is the the roof. The ceiling is the roof. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) In case you don't get that. That is a Michael Jordan at UNC reference. Look it up. It's very weird. <laughs> um, so, you know, the defense stepped up when they needed to. Uh, Purdue, after that interception of Tommy DeVito, were, was able to get a field goal to put themselves up by 10 um, with just, I think, under two minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And then Illinois drove down, kicked a field goal. Once they got in field goal range, hoping, you know, the figuring, hey, we've got to score twice anyway. We're already in field goal range. Let's go for it right. now. And then mm-hmm. tried for the onside kick. And that was one of the worst onside kick attempts I've ever seen. The ball went maybe six yards. Yeah. They tried to do the watermelon kick and yeah. it just did not do it in the way they had planned. No. And props to Purdue. That play has been screwed up before yes it has you just have to go and jump on it yeah and they did yeah and it was their second onside recovery of the day 
um, because earlier Illinois right. was kicking off from midfield. Be- yeah, because of well beyond midfield, I feel like right because it was of, the opposite thirty-five. Yeah, because of undisciplined uh, defense or offense after a touchdown and lim- or well, whoever, whatever it was, undisciplined yeah. defense, I guess. Uh, because of, yeah, because Illinois is kicking off, so it had to have been defense. So, I mean, let's talk about that. This game was absolutely chippy. There was a scuffle before the game as the two teams were warming up. Uh, at one point, following a punt, a Purdue player and Illinois player both took off their helmets and looked like they were going to get into fisticuffs. I mean, it was wild. Yeah, and a lot of this sort of started stemming after some Illinois penalties that were pretty pretty iffy calls. Some were absolutely penalties on the Fighting Illini. I mean, they had some very clear pass interference. Yeah, they were grabby. There were a couple. They were grabby yeah, all day. They were, and there were a couple that could have gone either way, but once those started flying, and then once the Devin Maccabee run out of bounds, where he was clearly tackled out of bounds and yeah. thrown to the ground, it wasn't called, but once that play happened... It kind of went south for chippiness. Players just started getting in each other's faces. There were at least three or four personal fouls called on Purdue. Um, I know after the Payne Durham touchdown, his second t- or his first touchdown, he uh, TJ Sheffield got called for one. I think Jalen Graham and another defensive player got called for one. There were several that were offsetting penalties. It was just. It looked like he could have gotten out of hand. Good thing they didn't play this game at Michigan. Otherwise, they would have had a shared <laughs> yeah. tunnel. Yeah, good thing. Good thing there's two tunnels there. Um, I do want to, you know, you mentioned Payne Durham, and he had a great game. Seven mm-hmm. catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns, um, and he made big plays. But the, uh, probably the biggest play of the game, I think it was fourth and eight or fourth and mm-hmm. nine. Um, Aiden O'Connell found TJ Sheffield for a first down. And, I mean, the chutzpah of Brom to call that play, to dial that up, and for AOC to find Sheffield, uh, you know, well beyond the sticks, uh, you know, just an incredible call there. Uh, So kudos to all of them for completing that. And before we move on to talk about the scenarios of Purdue winning the West, I want to point out that, man, Illinois fans were angry online. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, of course, run the Twitter account for the site during games and, and, you know, most of the time. And, oh, boy, I was getting cursed at telling I was, you know, messing, I was giving sexual favors to the referees, like, (laughs) even hours after the game, I even had a guy mention it today, and it's like, dude, it is a football game that I had nothing to do with, I am a guy tweeting positive things about my team, let it go, move on, Uh, this was like, they were like Nebraska fans out there, and that's never a compliment. Yeah, and again, that's the extension of that chippiness, I mean, fans online can say anything they want. That's the beauty of being online. That's right. That's so. true. You got me there. You got me there. So, per- <laughs> Purdue now bowl eligible, six and four, four and three in the conference. Still a chance to win the Big Ten West and head to Indy to take on the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. Now, Ryan, I know you've looked at these scenarios. Uh, what is the easiest and most, you know, less confusing, least confusing scenario of Purdue to head to Indy? So it's pretty simple. Purdue just needs to beat Northwestern and Indiana, and they need Iowa to lose one of its final two games. And who does Iowa play in their final two games? They play Minnesota at Minnesota and home against Nebraska. 
Okay, so, I mean, they could lose either of those games. I could see that. I mean, Minnesota, yep. I think, would be our, the better chance um, because Minnesota has had a pretty good season, but mm-hmm. they could still lose to Nebraska. Are there any scenarios in which Purdue goes 1-1 one and one and still wins the West? Yeah, there, there are a couple. Um, there's about 10 scenarios, I believe, in which Purdue can drop one against Northwestern or Indiana and still get to Indianapolis. Um, a lot would then have to go Purdue's way just because... Yeah, of the... course. you got to have other people lose <laughs> and the tiebreakers. Exactly. Yeah. So there's that's when it starts getting uh, muddy. So right. right now it's looking like the two most favorable schedules in terms of getting to Indy are Purdue and Iowa. Okay. All right. So I got one last question for you, okay. and I want to finish it out this way. All right. Does Purdue play in the Big Ten Championship game? Ooh. I think they will, only because I believe – can't believe I'm saying this. I believe in P.J. Fleck next week. All right, there you go. There we go. So here, here's what I'll say um, as we wrap up. I, I talked to my wife about this today because, you know, we've got a two-year-old. Uh, it, so if I leave, it's a lot of work for her. I said, I would really like to go to this game if Purdue gets there. She said, that is all right. We'll find a way to make it work. So if Purdue (laughs) wins these games, finds a way to get to Indy, uh, I will be in attendance, assuming I can uh, get a credential or find a ticket. So let's go. Boiler up. Yes, sir. Uh, I will will try to be there as well should they make it. Um, Maybe I'll ask for a plane ticket for Christmas. There we go. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Till next time, folks. Boiler up. Hammer down.